let's face it, what's one of the most basic fears that anyone has of being lost, besides falling, of being lost? And plenty of people are lost in our airports all the time. Welcome to Engineering Matters, the podcast that highlights the incredible solutions employed by engineers to make the world a better place. My name's Bernadette Ballantyne, and I'm a civil engineer who's been writing about infrastructure for 15 years. This week, we're talking about a topic that I can claim to be somewhat of an expert in, getting lost. Although there is evidence that suggests humans, like birds or frogs or even worms, do have an internal compass, mine does not seem to function. So for people like me, navigation assistance is fantastic. Google Maps is probably the most accessed app on my phone. But when it comes to indoor spaces, this technology doesn't work. A natural question that passengers have is why can they not use Google or Apple Maps inside the terminals? The answer is because GPS does not work indoors. This is Abby Chaco. Head of IT, Commercial and Innovation at London Gatwick Airport, which launched a new navigation tool in May 2017. We explored many ways to offer indoor navigation and we concluded that the most cost-effective approach was to employ battery-powered beacons. We have deployed 2,000 of these inside the terminal along the passenger floor routes. The approach is pioneering in the aviation industry. Pointer Labs developed a software that figures out the location of uh, the passenger's phone based on the nearby beacons and shows this as a blue dot on an indoor map. So it is accurate within three meters. This is accessed through the passenger-facing airport app. Instead of managing this ourselves, we employed Pointer to monitor and manage the beacons, the software, uh, the backend analytics and provide the entire stack as a managed service to the airport. Gatwick are now offering this service on a commercial basis to the multitude of airlines that use the airport and it's also working on developing the app to provide more services. At its core, the app is about positioning and navigation but we are also working on more futuristic technology. We have the capability to augment the navigation tool with virtual reality meaning that you can lift the phone up, look through the camera and see chevrons, arrows or automated figure to assist further with navigation. The technology for this is already working. We are just fine tuning and calibrating its usability. In the future, we can extend this to further features from retailers and other parties in the airport but we have to see if the uptake of this technology justifies further investments. Abby explains that investment in the system cost around £200,000. The pointer system was also very cost effective. The entire system was under less than 200000 but when we were investigating this approach, we had quotes for more than £1 million. In the long term, I think we're finding will transform into using other methods and approaches. Google are working at route finding using landmarks, working more like the human brain. We expect that companies like Pointer 
will adapt their technologies as these new approaches emerge. On a daily basis, our staff on the ground receives a lot of questions on directions from passengers. This solution can help the passengers to find those facilities themselves. In a way, this is an experiment to see how many people are actually going to use uh, these sort of technologies on an app. And if there is a good uptake, we will make further improvements and further investments. As Abby states, this kind of digital navigation tool is the latest evolution of a discipline that's often described as wayfinding. Wayfinding is the cognitive, social and corporeal process and experience of locating, following or discovering a route through and to a given space. Um, perhaps if I just very, very quickly um, break that down and explain This is that. Dr Paul Simmons, a doctor of wayfinding. Dr Simmons goes on to explain that this definition incorporates the thinking part of the process, using our brain to work out how to get from A to B, the social aspects, where we follow others through spaces, and physical aspects, for example, pathways that are possible for wheelchair users. Again, what I mentioned about the wheelchair um, dis disability example. Although digital technologies for wayfinding are new, navigation, of course, is not. Wayfinding dates, dates back hundreds of years. And really, it's first identified in the, in the Polynesian islands and when they discovered Hawaii. So there's a lot of, um, there's a museum in Hawaii, actually, which focuses on wayfinding. Um, but they used to use uh, traditionally the, the oceans, the stars, the landmarks, the, um, the bird flight patterns to the destination. If you think about birds flying off of a cliff, um, at certain times they want to nest, they wouldn't nest in the water or certain species of birds. So if you see certain species of birds um, when, when you're sailing, then you would know that you're within a certain distance of a landmass. Naturally, this has evolved, and today we see traditional methods like signage and building design augmented with the digital tools. A lot of people don't know the term wayfinding at the start, so it's more of an industry term, wayfinding. But once they realise we're talking about how we kind of navigate from one place to another, the first thing that people tend to think about is signage, um, static signage, signs that say that have hours and tell us to go straight ahead or left or right and but wayfinding is much more than just static signage it's also about the development or creation of space from from an architectural point of view if you make an area very easy to navigate it's very natural that the paths are very easy to follow then you, you very often don't need signage so the signage is architectural design and then we have, well, we're seeing a lot of development of technologies, um, apps, uh, sat-navs have been around for a few years, but that sat-navs, apps, there's quite a lot of different technologies that are now being developed. Dr Simmons finds pros and cons with the new technologies. Sat-navs, for example, revolutionise road navigation, but an over-reliance on mobile phone navigation apps for hiking, for example, led to an increase in the number of people who need to be rescued by emergency services when phone batteries die and they don't carry physical compasses. There are also many stories um, quite recently in the last year or so of a lot of people getting lost in locations such as in Wales, in the mountains, when they've gone rambling. And people now are 
relying, over relying so much on these technologies for wayfinding, for navigation, that it means that people are not learning to use compasses. They're not even taking a compass into these locations. They're using their phone apps for navigation and the battery goes dead. And a lot of, so the emergency services have been, have seen a large increase in the number of people they've had to rescue. And so there's really pros and cons. And I think with, this is more of a personal opinion, but in airports, I see there's quite a few airports looking to develop apps to guide people through airports using different technologies, such as beacons. But from a personal point of view, I am not sure that I think it would be a good idea because I think it's more of what I would call an app overload where airlines are expecting us to use these apps. The airports are considering us using these apps. And I don't know if this is really the way forward for airports. I think that static signage, if used correctly and the space is designed correctly, will always be the best way to guide people through airports. And I think in 20 years' time, that is not going to be the apps that we're using to get through airports. I think we're still going to be using static signage. Airports themselves are conscious of the potential for app overload. This is one of the reasons that Houston airports have opted for a browser-based interactive map with point-of-interest information rather than develop an app that has to be installed. So honestly, the first thing we looked at was to have an app, a digital app. But we knew that there were challenges that, you know, app adoption for an airport is not at a very high rate. Um, And also apps are extremely expensive. They can cost as much as a million dollars. And we didn't really have the resources to spend a million dollars on an app that even if you had a good performance would not be downloaded by more than, say, 50,000 people. We have 55 million travelers a year, and we wanted a solution that would address the needs of as many people as possible. This is Kathleen Boyd, the Chief Marketing Officer of Houston Airports, which includes George Bush Intercontinental, William P. Hobby Airport, Ellington Airport, and it's the 10th US airport to hold a spaceport license. At Houston, Kathleen and the team decided to take a different approach. Digital Assets Manager Ariel Chavarria, who we're going to hear more from later, noticed that United Airlines were using sophisticated interactive maps on their passenger app, created by Locus Labs. We met with Locus Labs and said, we really like this map, um, but we want browser-based. And they said, we are working on browser-based. Um, it took us a while. It took us a couple of months, anyway, to really understand what everything this would do to do for us. But the beauty is that for the same, as a part of the same package deal, we, we have our interactive map now, which provides um, turn-by-turn wayfinding at both of our airports. And it also basically is an amazing repository for searching all of our points of interest, which is our concessions, both our restaurants and our shops and our kiosks, maybe for, um, you know, Best Buy kiosk that has a lot of electronic equipment or, um, you know, benefit cosmetic kiosk. All those kiosks are included in there. We even locate on the map things like the water bottle filling stations that we have and the power, well, power ports we have by area, not by individual seat, but 
we do indicate where there are power ports available for people needing to recharge, um, different types of restrooms, a mother's room for nursing mothers in our airport and Terminal New Sea North. You know, all of those points of interest, we were able to populate into this interactive turn-by-turn wayfinding. Undertaking the mapping was a team effort, as Ariel explains. In our GIS department, they have uh, software where they manage um, all the tips or all the changes that happen, the construction, essentially the building outlines, floor plans, everything in their GIS system. So they then sent those base maps or pretty much the floor plans um, of the airport to Locust Labs. And then Locust Labs took it and then filled in, you know, the shopping concessions in a blue outline and then the dying concessions in a green outline. And that's how they created the base map. Then what I did personally, I walked the airport personally and I took pictures and I took a piece of paper. And at the beginning, actually, I was drawing it by hand, um, the airport um, and the floor outline. And so um, what I do now is I actually go monthly and walk um, IH and Hobby. Um, and now using what we have as our, you know, printable maps, I go and mark them up of any changes or anything that has been moved. Um, and then if there is a new concession, I we send out the – we have, like, a form that the concessionaires need to fill out um, with the hours and the descriptions. Um, and then I take that information and load it into the Locust Lab VMS. And then they publish it. VMS stands for Vendor Management System, and this is now used to update all of the relevant airport maps, including Google Maps and Apple Maps. So one of the beautiful things, and I hope this isn't too technical, but about Locust Labs is they can, once we had those base maps and base information built in both Google and Apple, now when we update our points of interest in the VMS of Locust Labs, they can broadcast it out to Google and Apple. What it really means is instead of us having to update maps in 10 different places, um, we are really reaching the vast majority of the traveling public through Locust Labs, not only with our interactive maps that anyone can use, but by updating Google Maps with the same information, which is obviously Android users, and then also the Apple Maps, which are iPhone users. Kathleen explains that the next part of the interactive mapping is integrating it with concessions and services, enabling passengers to get specific directions from their location to these outlets. At the same time, their location services provider Locus Labs is working on providing accessible routes for passengers with limited mobility. Locus Labs provides a routing engine that by default shows people the fastest route between any two points in the airport. Um, and, and this is not always the desired setting for people with limited mobility. So since we know where all of the ramps and lifts are, you know, we're offering the ability to select the most accessible route instead. And you know, th- this is a huge point of stress for many travelers, and, and this allows them to plan, a, plan ahead and alleviate much of that stress if they know there's going to be an accessible route to the area that they need to go. This is Campbell Kennedy, the Chief Executive Officer and founder of Locus Labs, which is helping venues all over the world develop digital location services. He says that the services required by airports are becoming more sophisticated, 
including the requirement to develop more accessible routes for passengers with limited mobility. Expectations in the industry are that at some point this will become a mandatory requirement for digital services. It's certainly um, evolving beyond you know, what I would call the, the interactive floor plan, which is when, when some people think of a, a map, maybe it's just a, a floor plan on a sign that they, that they might think of. But there's so much more to it than that now. There's, um, uh, first of all, it, there's a, a blue dot showing you where you are. You know, when you talk about outdoor maps, this is, this is accomplished based on GPS. Um, we can now do this with other indoor location technologies using Wi-Fi and Bluetooth beacons and, and geomagnetic fingerprinting technologies. There's a, there's a, a myriad of technologies that um, provide that uh, ability today to give you that blue dot on a map. Um, there's also complete wayfinding. I can uh, give you turn-by-turn -turn directions, not just within a building, but uh, across an entire airport campus, across if you have shuttles or trains that are going in between buildings and, uh, you know, traversing between outdoor and indoor spaces, up elevator, up lifts and elevators and um, down escalators. So uh, it's, it's definitely more than a floor plan. And then it also takes into account some of the other uh, software uh, uh, services that they may have at the airport. So for instance, um, many airports have the ability to, to understand how long the queues are at the security checkpoints. So we can incorporate that into the whole navigation graph so that it takes into account if I'm transferring terminals and I'm having to go in and out of, of security, that is part of your overall journey and then the total time it's going to take to get from uh, you know, between gates in a transfer scenario, scenario, for instance. But how should these be delivered? I'll, I'll start by saying that you know, I, I get asked the question by airports very often, you know, do I need an app? But that's a really loaded question. It's, it's part of a much larger digital strategy that, that really needs to be considered. And, and oftentimes the objective of an airport is to provide information to passengers and improve the passenger experience. And sometimes that includes some kind of you know, marketing of available airport services and shopping, et cetera. So there's, there's also often a bit of friction between the airports and the airlines and, and who owns that passenger's attention. So it can be, you know, big effort for an airport, not just to build the app that provides that extra value to the passenger, but also to market that app to the passengers and convince them to go through that extra step of downloading the app. So if an airport makes that investment, there's a lot you can do software-wise within a native app that you cannot do in a website, such as take advantage of um, those location services like uh, that are provided by Bluetooth beacons, for contextual marketing and, and indoor positioning, or to provide, say, an augmented reality experience. You couldn't do that through a native app. But the web technologies are definitely um, evolving. So you can get a blue dot based on Wi-Fi on Apple devices, for instance, in, uh, in a browser now uh, on an iPhone. So th they're definitely coming along and there's, um, you know, technologies like uh, uh, WebGL that are now available that maybe weren't available a few years ago that give you a very fast, interactive, you know, close to native experience in a mobile browser that um, just would have been clunky, you know, on devices a few years ago. So th there's definitely been some recent technology improvements that make the browser-based experience more viable. Given that digital technology is moving so quickly, airports are asking for a range of new technologies from virtual reality augmentation of mapping to enterprise and service tracking. Yeah, I think I think many airports are on the the cutting 
edge of this, and it varies from airport to airport, but we're engaged right now in an augmented reality pilot at Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. So the idea is you can uh, hold your phone in an upright position, and you're looking down at the mapping uh, and wayfinding uh, interface that we have today. You hold up your phone upright vertically, and it basically shows you a wayfinding path overlaid on the floor, showing you exactly where you need to go. Uh, there's inform It surfaces certain information as you pass by about security queues and other uh, uh, useful airport information, some concession information as well. And then also um, it does a, a virtual translated signage capability that's overlaid over the real sign, but shown in the user's native language, which is pretty powerful. And a lot of the airports we, we work with really like that feature, because obviously you can you can invest a whole bunch of money in putting up signs throughout your whole airport, but if the passenger doesn't speak the language that the signs are in, um, they're, they're going to be lost. But moving into new technologies requires substantial investment in software, infrastructure, 3D modelling and integration with existing systems. The use of virtual reality augmentation requires accurate global positioning, for example the use of Bluetooth beacons, which is then meshed together with data obtained through local positioning using smartphones with augmented reality kits installed using the device camera to accurately track the user location. At the same time, the software required is more familiar to the 3D gaming industry, therefore requires niche, highly sought-after skills. Despite this, firms such as Locus Labs and Pointer are reporting tremendous demand for their services. Pointer told me that their global clients span retail, transport and industrial sectors and that this demand is driven by customers who are seeking to solve queries or problems using their phones. But for now, airports are adopting a wait-and-see approach as they observe the success or failure of the industry leaders and wait for more widespread adoption to bring about economies of scale. Within airports, there's also a lot of discussion underway about the extent to which new apps and digital navigation services should be used by retailers and other concessions to promote goods and services within the airports, trying to tread the line between offering something that passengers find useful and appreciate and not bombard them with unwelcome messages. There's no question that new wayfinding technology has revolutionised navigation using GPS outdoors, and those firms pioneering indoor applications say these could have the same transformational effect. You know, once we have this complete current digital understanding of every person, place, and thing in these spaces, you know, it really is going to be a complete paradigm shift. And we can't even foresee all the applications that are are going to be um, built on top of, of such a platform. You know, if you look at outdoor maps and, and GPS as a type of analogy, you know, think of all of the applications that these technologies have en enabled from you know, the original applications like missile guidance and, and space travel um, to transport businesses like FedEx and Uber, you know, autonomous vehicles. None of these would be possible without that location infrastructure that we have today. So I'm absolutely certain there's going to be analogous applications inside buildings that will have uh, as big an impact, if not more, than, uh, than what we've seen in out the outdoor space. Only time and a fleet of industry trials will tell us if digital indoor wayfinding will truly take off. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. I'm Bernadette Ballantyne. 
Special thanks to Locus Labs, Pointer, London Gatwick Airport, Travelwayfinding.com and Houston's George Bush Intercontinental Airport and William P. Hobby Airport. Mixing and editing by John Young. Additional story development by Rian Owen. A big thanks to Jim Robertson-Moore. Our theme music comes from JM Sounds with additional music from Pond5. Rory Harris is showing us the way and we'll be back in two weeks with more. If you like this podcast, please leave us a comment or a review on your podcast app, which really helps others to hear about us, or simply tell a friend to have a listen. Engineering Matters can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Podcast Addict, Blueberry, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Engineer Matters or find us on LinkedIn and read more about us online at rebe.media.